0: Whilst, we're, whilst everyone's up here, can we really thank the youth and young adult band. They have done a, uh, an absolutely amazing job. Uh, Kobe, a good team player. A team player. Anyhow, you guys can all be seated. I, uh, I do want to encourage you from the outset of this morning. Um, it's, been, it's been one of those weeks. It's youth and young adult camp and there's a natural leaning and there's a tendency to really be hungry for God at this time of year. But I don't think that's limited to the youth and to the young adults. And and, and to be honest, I'm thankful for praying parents and parents who really set the example in my household. But within the church, we've got spiritual mothers and we've got spiritual fathers here. And as a community, we're really going to lean into what God's doing. And the truth is, I say this almost every time I get the opportunity and the honour to take platform. I say, what happens in these next few moments is not so much dependent on the speaker because the Holy Spirit's here and the Holy Spirit wants to work, but it's dependent on how expectant we are to leave this place different to the way we came in. And so I would say, not to take all of the responsibility off myself, but to say at the end of the day, it's us and it's Jesus. And we're, we're not just coming here corporately to worship, but we're coming here for individual revelation at the same time. And so, like I've often said, before we see some sort of corporate revival, we do need to see an individual revelation. And it comes from our time in the Word of God. Yeah. Before I start, I, do, uh, I want to give honour where well, honour is due. And so Ben and Amy, I'm assuming Amy with, with the kids. Um, I've actually known these guys for just over a decade, from early 20s to mid-30s. <laughs> Best years of my life, you know. Uh, when you were the youth pastor and now running the campus. And thank God for faithful hard-working people who steward the call of God on their lives with a young family so yeah I really think we should honor you guys and still the nicest guy just the warmest smile hasn't changed in the last 15 or so years but yeah no what you're blessed you're really blessed to have people who are just shepherd and in a world where we can distort what it is to pastor And we can distort what it is to get beside people, people who literally just take on the core to get beside people, point people to Jesus and shepherd people. Uh, I don't think we should ever take that for granted. So uh, yeah, I better jump into it because the clock is ticking and I have a terrible habit for going over time. So uh, if you're with me and you have the word of of God, the Bible, your sword with you, would you turn to the book of Luke? Uh, Yeah, book of Luke chapter 19. And we'll start at verses one. Luke 19, verses one. Before we jump in, I'll give you a quick introduction about myself. Uh, I've been, uh, I'm actually a teacher by trade. Yeah. PDHPE. Because I wanted to be a professional athlete. And you know what? Uh, those who can't do, teach. <laughs> and those who can't teach, teach PDHPE. And so that was five good years of my life. I was just king of the whistle. <laughs> no, no, no. So that's, what I, that's by trade. I'm a teacher, PE in biology. And uh, then I just really felt, I've always felt called into the ministry. And I was doing that part-time for free. And even in my next season, continue, I'm just going to, no matter what my, my role or my title is, everyone here, I think the same thing is, we're disciples and we're pastors. And we're called to go and make disciples. That, that doesn't mean I work for a church. That, that's just a benefit. And so I, so I came and started working at church for our youth ministry. Uh, I used to do the senior high. Um, and then they put me in junior high and that was at first very challenging. My patience was tested, but then I just fell in love with them. And then God really does break your heart for what's in your hand. Yeah. Then I started looking after our, all of our youth and in our youth and young adults. And, uh, it's been, it's been a great season, a real, a real blessing. We've seen God do some crazy things. Uh, I have a wife, um, Virginia Mears. She's, uh, let me tell you, she's not here this morning. She's uh, on holidays in Byron Bay. Yeah, someone had to suffer for the Lord. And so I said, don't go there, baby. It's going to be much better here, you know. Uh, anyhow, she's up in Byron Bay, but she, uh, God still does miracles. If you were to see her and see me, then you would understand that, you know, miracles are still happening today. God is on the throne. Uh, and we have two wonderful children. I forgot to send a photo to the team. Rookie mistake. Uh, Romeo is four turning five. He's just started preschool. Uh, he, is, he is very cheeky. Um, I don't know what it is about my son right now, and I could tell stories for days about this young man, um, but he, he's, the word poo just sets him off, okay? And we're, like, I, I don't want to get too crude, in, I know it's Sunday morning church, but um, just because of the world we're living in, my wife has actually decided, and we've gone right ahead and said, Romeo, he, goes, he's just, he thinks boys are the best, and we're like, no, Romeo, boys and girls are equal, and he's like, no, no, boys, this everything's a competition. And so he's at this point now where he goes up to random people and we've told him by the, by the genitals, if you're a male or a female, and we've taught him this from a young age. But the other day, we're in Westfield Shopping Centre and he went up to this man who would have been in his early 60s, tapped him and said, excuse me, sir, do you have a penis? <laughs> and he looked at me and I'm just like blush, looking down. And he goes, uh, yeah, he goes, that means you're a boy. And so we're just trying to tone it down. We're just trying to tone it down with my son. So he's a work in progress. Hasn't met the Lord yet. But that's, that's all happening. My, my daughter is just, she's an angel. She's a princess. Her name's Rose Elizabeth. And she uh, right now she is, um, she's obedient, which is, which is very helpful. Um, she loves all things dolls. Gets along with her brother until he turns on her. But uh, we're figuring all that out. Outside of that, that is, that is me in a nutshell. Okay, now for the Word of God. The book of Luke. I love the book of Luke because, you know, Mark just gets to the point. He's an action guy. Not really a great writer, but gets to the point. Matthew is more like the documentary. You know, he, go, he goes in, random details, breaks it up. Uh, Luke is like, he's the writer. He, he understands. He, he doesn't just, he doesn't stop. He goes into detail and he unpacks things. That's why Luke and Acts is actually one book, Luke-Acts. But it was two scrolls because the guy just couldn't keep it to one scroll. And then, of course, you've got John, the one who Jesus loved. Who said that about himself? <laughs> Somewhat arrogant. Um, but John, he, he's like a lover boy, isn't he? He's like the rom-com of the Gospels. And so I, I like Luke and John. They're my favorite too. But the story we find is in Luke 19, verse 1 to 10. And it says this. If you haven't got your Bible, take a look on the Sky Bible. It says, uh, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus entered through, Jesus entered Jericho. And my Bible says he was passing through. I put an underline there. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and very wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. My Bible says he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, X marks the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So then he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began muttering, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and and said, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody here of anything, I will pay them back not once, not twice, not triple, but four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek, and He has come to save the lost. I love this story. It's just he's a he's a shorter guy who hears Jesus is in town, and even though he has the money, he has a position, he still understands that something in his life is missing. So he comes to seek out Jesus. Matter of fact, he's desperate to seek out Jesus. And let me tell you a few things about desperation desperation will take you a whole lot further than education will. I think out of most, most innovation in life, we saw in the last few years as businesses closed down, as we couldn't really interact with one another, there was a whole lot of in, uh, innovation, but the forerunner to that was a whole lot of desperation. We had to figure things out quickly. Uh, I believe that desperation, it doesn't give up, it doesn't let up, nor, nor does it shut up until it achieves what it came to achieve. It's just something about a desperate mother praying for her son or daughter who doesn't, doesn't yet know the Lord. Like a desperate father who needs to provide for his family. Like, like people who will do anything for the person they love or someone in their world. There's something about desperation. I would go as far to say, for argument's sake, that desperation is a forerunner to a, to a miracle. Desperation is a forerunner to a miracle. As I was writing this message out, I thought to myself, when did I become so much less desperate and so much more comfortable in the presence of God? I, I, I don't think we should just like a wine, just slowly age over time. No, no, we should get better and, and we should get more hungry and we should continue to set an example for the generations below us. And so if you're taking you notes on today's message, I've titled it two things. The first is somebody, somebody get me to Jesus. I think they would have been the words of Zacchaeus. Somebody just get me to Jesus. Or I think I like this one better because it's, it's kind of more youth and young adults camp. So, you know, give a little bit of a zing to it. Desperation, dot dot dot. please don't die. Desperation, please don't die. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to come together under your name. Under no other name but the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to lift you up. Lord, we thank you right now that you are a healer. And Lord, we actually, in this moment, we pray for that nine-year-old. And Lord, we speak the healing power and the blood of Jesus. Lord, for the desperation right now of their parents, Lord, you see their heart, you see their tears, you see what's going on. And Lord, we pray that it is by your stripes, by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, that we will see a complete recovery. Lord, that no cancerous cell will enter back into his body ever again in his lifetime. And Lord, we pray right now in this service that you will move Holy Spirit, have your way. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said together, amen. 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 Can I ask you a question? Have you ever in your lifetime done something that you wouldn't normally, averagely, or, or usually do to get the time, respect, or attention of another? Have you done something you wouldn't usually do to get the time or attention? I've just been at youth camp, actually three youth camps in one week, and I have seen a lot of this from the young the young boys you know they say under pressure boys act without thinking girls they talk without thinking but boys they just (laughs) act i believe it's called pump theory when the pump exceeds the ability and an accident is bound to happen and a youth pastor has plenty of stories a whole plethora a a book of them but there was a time i told the young adults uh when i was getting engaged to now my wife of 10 years this year wow um However, I, I, but pre that, there was a time when we, she just landed. She got off of the plane. She came to youth on her first night. And straight away, I, I knew because I've been coming as youth for a long time. like, there's a new face here. And so I started to get to know her. I, I mean, we started talking. And I'm like, oh, I really like, I really like this young lady. Her name was Virginia. And then about uh, six months in, I'm like, I'm going to ask her out. At this point, I'm a youth leader. A volunteer. By the way, thank you to all our amazing youth and young adults leaders. What you do is phenomenal, and it's making the biggest impact. It really is making the biggest impact. The next gen. I'm here because of amazing camps, because of amazing parents, and youth leaders who didn't give up on me. Anyhow, I was a youth leader at that time, and I had a, a group of R.D.G. boys who, at that particular time, a small group Bible study. And there was about 12 of them. But four of these guys were just ultra talented. You know those guys you meet and they can kind of just do everything? Like they're smart, but then you like you give them a ball and like they're just a natural athlete. And then somehow you come to church and then you hear them sing and you're like, stop it. This, this is a joke because I can't do any of that. And you're like doing all of it right now. Um, so they went on this TV show, X Factor, and they, they were named Fortunate. Four boys singing and Polynesian background, just the best voices on planet Earth. And so at the time, I said to these guys, I said, hey, I want to I record a video talking about things I don't usually do. I don't usually sing. Back, back then, I don't even wake up early, cook breakfast, nor did I shower that often. I was pretty <laughs> terrible. But this day, I walk alone. I said, we're going we're gonna to record a video. And I don't know exactly what the noise meant, but it made me feel good. I said to the fellows, I said, boys, said, Jaquil, I'm going to ask Virginia out, but I want to do it in a creative way. Uh, I, I really I really want to woo her, you know? And he's like, I, I don't know what this meant, but it just made me feel good. I, all the boys are like, Oing, and they made this noise. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on, but... It's really pumping me up right now. and I, I was like, oh, okay, okay, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. So we, we get back to my house. They uh, sing the song, uh, Justin Bieber, the most Christian song there is. Um, mistletoe, shorty with you, shorty with you. But in the song, under the mistletoe, kiss me underneath the... Anyhow, this is church, people. Come on. Um, anyhow, at this point, I said... uh, I need you to change the lyrics to, shawty withdrew, shawty withdrew. And so they would point to me. And then we, I filled my car up with flowers, and then we went to a lookout, and then at the lookout I said, oh, look, my laptop's here. What a surprise. What? I've put a video on YouTube? And then she's like, oh. I, I, I'm like playing it off. Like, don't play it. Please don't play it. Please play it. It's like, no, no, don't. And she's like, I'm going to do it. I'm like, don't, okay, don't. And she plays it, and it's a video, because they released uh, a video every month. And this was a video they released. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And then at the end, I asked her out and she said, yes. That went much better than my engagement, by the way. Um, <laughs> that's, that's here for another time. Anyhow, I, I think back upon that story. I did things that I would never ordinarily, naturally, within my own skill set do to get the time, uh, respect and the attention of now My wife Virginia. Here is the perfect example in scripture a small guy, a chief tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. It's Sunday morning, so is it okay if we do a bit of an existential study, a little bit bit of a deep dive into Zacchaeus' life right now? Zacchaeus, he's notorious, he's infamous, which means he's famous for all the wrong reasons because he's known for his reputation at this point is one of a few things. Uh, He's a crook, he cheats. He lies, but the icing on the cake with Zacchaeus is he's a traitor. Yeah. They could forgive everything else, but he's a traitor. Yeah. The people, he's not a tax collector, but the Bible only records one chief tax collector, the head of the tax collectors, and that's Zacchaeus. Yeah. And the traitor thing, that's where he loses people. Yeah. Because the people who he used to go to family lunch with, the people who he used to do kids' church with, that he went through youth ministry with. He's now stealing money off of them and not just taking it for them for himself. He keeps a cut, sure. He was a cheat. But he's given it to the enemy, the oppressor, the Roman Empire. And so at this point, they're like, nah, Zacchaeus is too far gone. But at the same time, it's somewhat confusing, a little bit of a juxtaposition here because he's notorious and disliked. But in a time where wealth meant status, and status meant respect, people still felt like they kept their mouth closed. Most commentaries agree that even though not liked, actually hated, still respected because he had money and he wore fine linens. Zero character, but a whole lot of money. Although the Bible says it's better to be poor uh, with character than it is to rich and rot. And so Proverbs 27, I think. At this point, there's this weird dynamic going on talking about doing things you don't usually do to get the time and attention here's what Zacchaeus doesn't usually do Zacchaeus doesn't usually go to church not anymore Zacchaeus if there's a preacher in town Zacchaeus has already got it all together he's got the house he's got the investment property he's probably got a view of the three sisters who knows it's got the whole thing's going on he he's got all of it and he shows up to hear Jesus speak gosh I wonder I wonder what it would have been like to, to be in a room and hear the master communicator who could connect with 5,000 different people in 5,000 different ways in the parable of the day and that, that he wasn't telling them something but unpacking something that related directly to them, that pointed them to a higher kingdom, to a higher way of living. So he, run, he goes to see. So people, let's just put ourselves in Zacchaeus' shoes. He knows as soon as he leaves his home that he's going to be hated, yet he still goes. He knows that the people he's bumping past before he climbs a tree and runs, that they're going to dislike him. They're going to want to beat on him. Yet he still uh, he, he climbs all adversity to make sure he can hear the words of Jesus. Yeah. At this point, this is where it gets crazy for me. In, in Bible times, he doesn't just attend. Zacchaeus runs. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is interesting. Most commentaries agree that back in the day, if you're more important in someone, more class or more status or stature, uh, you were never late. Everyone else was simply early. I guess that rule would have applied to the queen or now the king. If, if the ceremony is meant to start at 4, but they don't get to the 4.30, everyone's just early. They're never late. That, that's the rule. And in the Old Testament, I was reading Matthew Henry who says, it's not the class who is late, uh, but the underclass who is early. That's just how it works. Weird, a little bit messed up. Today, we work by a clock and a schedule. However, it just wasn't like that. Uh, At this point, it says, if you're willing to run to someone, then they're more important or what they have to say is of great value. So Zacchaeus doesn't just come. Now, to see someone today run, I'm often late, infamously, so like I'm running everywhere. It means nothing. But to see someone in their robes, in their silk of class, what they're saying is not just it's crazy that I'm here, but what this man has to say is more important. And his stature and his and his authority is greater than mine. So he doesn't just go there; he gets his dirty, he gets his clothes dirty. He starts running. He starts bumping people who are like Zacchaeus. What is Zacchaeus doing here? And then he sees his cousin pushes him out of the way. He goes up, and then the the craziest thing of of. Of it all is he starts to climb a sycamore tree because he can't see the bible talks about this and said what a desperate act that he's already thrown pride out the window he's already thrown class out the window he's already thrown any any anything left that he had on his own power and he had in his wealth he's let it go and he said in this moment all i care about is hearing what this man has to has to say and what i want to encourage us is it blows my mind that someone with all the money with all all the friends and all the parties and everything that you could have i, I assume if he had instagram he'd have followers i assume if he had property he would have had investment properties i assume at that time he would have been very greedy but very respected and still he says i need something else yet today we see this more in society than ever before people who seemingly have it all have it all together Life looks like it's great, still find themselves in pits of depression, still find themselves in desperately and they just can't feel what it is. I mean, lucky us, we know the answer. It's Jesus. But he gets to this point where he says, I'm putting all that aside and I'm chasing Jesus. So my question to the church is this. How much passivity is is there actually in Christianity? How passive can we be about our relationship with Jesus? So question number one. How desperate are you for God? How desperate are you for God? I wonder today, I'm mid 30s now. I hope it's mid 50s. I still have a fire to, to serve and to be desperate, to see generations stand on my shoulders. I don't want to be old and bitter. I want to be like Bob Goff, just happy all the time. It's just laughing at everything because the Spirit of God's still in me. I've protected my heart. How desperate are you? For Jesus. uh, Some people, I see young men so desperate for approval. I see young women so desperate to be wanted. I I mean, if you want to be desperate for anything, be desperate for Jesus and watch what he does in your life. The approval, it'll it'll go away. Uh, The the wanting to be known, uh, it will simmer because you understand your life is made for the attention of one. You live your life for one. Jesus only marvels twice in all of the scriptures, both in Matthew. Marvels twice in all the scriptures. The first time is when he goes to his hometown and he does no miracles there. And the reason, and Jesus says, is by their lack of faith. Their lack of faith. And then the other time is at the end of Matthew. And Jesus meets a Roman centurion. So someone who traditionally would want nothing to do with Jesus' ministry or church or God or anything of that. He's a Roman. He's the oppressor. And he comes up to Jesus, a senior officer, and says, I know you just say the word, Lord, and my son will be healed. Say the word, Lord, and my son will be healed. This is the second time and only one of two times in the Bible where Jesus marvels. And he looks at him. He goes, I have never seen faith like this. And he was healed. You know, today, that is an act of desperation. We can choose to be like, you know what? I have that desperate faith. Because I have friends and I have family and I have people in my world who are yet to know Jesus. I have people in my world who need restoration, who need healing, who need breakthrough, who need favor, who need the covering of God. Or we can sit back and be like, you know what, it's all good for me. Like Jesus' own people, yeah, they had a relationship with God, sure, but they just left it there. What a sad thing in life when it only becomes about us. What a sad thing. It's like, oh, yet yeah, me and my family are good. Don't you know that we're called to the greater mission? Don't the co-mission is go out and go, make disciples, not just of those in our circle, but of those in our world. To live at, the, at a different pace to the world. Not to strive, but to understand that there is a pace of grace where we create margin to interact with people, to let God speak through us, to not always be in a rush, but to let the Holy Spirit have his way. Yeah, right. We've got to live bigger than this first question is, how desperate are you for God? And the second, and I'll begin to wrap up is, how desperate was God for you? How desperate was our creator God for you? uh, It's hard not to think about the cross in this point, isn't it? Just because salvation is free, it doesn't mean it didn't cost him everything. Just because salvation is free it didn't cost him. It's not like it didn't cost him everything. Value today is what someone is willing to pay for something, isn't it? Yeah. We're seeing, uh, I'm learning, I've just sold my car. Someone's coming to pick it up tomorrow, actually. Um, I didn't realize until the other day that my car, which a few years ago I have paid like 13K for, is now worth 13K, which in my head makes zero sense because it's seven years older, has a few scratches on it, And has not been well looked after. (laughs) But someone is desperately wanting to pay. Because value is not always what it's worth. It's what someone's willing to pay for it. Now think about how desperate Jesus, I mean God, our Father, is when it comes to you. You know if there was only one person on planet earth, he still would have sent his son? Because value is what he's willing to pay. The person who owns absolutely everything spoke the world into existence. He he, he understood there is a sin problem here. And to fix it, I haven't got to just pay. I can't just speak another planet into being. I can't just write all these people off and do it again somewhere else. No, no, no. He goes, I'm going to have to pay with with the precious price of the blood of Jesus. Man, how conflicting. Parents, you... I mean, you read the story of Abraham and you're like, I don't know if I could do that, God. I, 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 don't, I would straight away, if God said, hey, you need to sacrifice your son in obedience to me, I'd be like, nah, I would, but mm, nah, God would never, he would never ask of me to do that. I would, but, and straight away we would rationalize, we would justify, and we would get to any or every observation that concluded the fact that this is not God, even if we felt it was. Just because what do we care about more than anything? Our own flesh and blood. And here's Jesus saying he hasn't got... All the children in the world at this point, he has his, he's God, he has his son Jesus, his only son. And the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son, that whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What I love is the next verse God didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He's not here pointing a finger and judging. He's not here saying, Oh, you gotta change this, you gotta live like this, you gotta follow these rules. No, no, he's, he didn't come to condemn the world, he came to set us free. He came to set us free. He's not out there pointing at you. He's not angry at you. Matter of fact, all he wants is relationship with you. That's the God that we serve. And he's so desperate to have relationship with you. Even those who are in current relationship that he sent his son to bleed a horrible death on the cross. Matter of fact, I was doing some research. You know, know, the death of a Jesus is unique. Because I think it's called exasperation. I can't pronounce this word, is that something beration? But what it is, I'll, get, I'll put it in the chat. Okay, it's the way in which Jesus died, it's, it's kind of gory. I remember my parents were ultra-Christian family. I put the, uh, the Passion of the Christ on every year. And I could watch it until it got to that point. And as a kid, I couldn't watch it because I knew that that was for me. And even now, I find it so hard to watch because sometimes, even in today's society, we don't even want to address it, but the truth can be really confronting. And I look at that, I'm like, I just know. I know he had to do that so he could have a relationship with me. I know he had to do that so my family generation could grow up and my kids can grow up in the house of God. And they don't just play church, but they have a relationship with Creator, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He did that for me. Here's how Jesus died. He didn't just get up there and then they knocked his nerves and put nails here and nails here and nails here and, and bleeding from his head. They say the type of suffocation is rare only to crucifix. And this type of suffocation is when you don't just die of blood loss. No, no, that's too painless. But what you do is you start to choke as the blood leaks through your lungs. You choke and you suffocate on your own blood. So he starts to get lightheaded. starts to get dizzy. He's in the immense amount of pain. And then he chokes on the same blood that healed me and you. He chokes on the same blood that saved me and you. He chokes on the same blood that gives us promise that our life will be different to the person next to us who doesn't yet know Jesus. And yet, I still find myself taking it for granted. I still find myself being like, oh, this Jesus thing, it's cool. No, no, I don't know if I have that option anymore. C.S. Lewis says, Jesus doesn't give us an option. I mean, either he's a liar and everything he said is wrong, he's a lunatic and he's just like, ah, Jesus. (laughs) He's just crazy. But everyone of the time said, no, 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 we can agree he was a prophet. So he wasn't a liar. And even the people who did not believe of the time said he wasn't a lunatic, which leaves us with only one conclusion. He has to be Lord. If he's not A, B, he has to be C. And so it leaves me with the reality that, and, and the questions that I've presented to us at hand. How desperate are we for God and how desperate God is for us? In this moment, I'd love to pray just for a few few groups of people as we conclude church this morning. If you could close your eyes and bow your heads. I mean, you've heard this. You're like, wow, a God that created me in his image, who loves me unconditionally, who who, everything about me, you think about it, the way you think about your children, you're obsess over. You know, like everything you don't even love about yourself, he spoke it into being and says it perfect. Oh, wow. He's like, that is my prize, possession, my creation. I would give everything to know them and have relationship with them. I just want to pray for a group of people in here. And you're saying, maybe at one point in my life, I had relationship with Jesus. But I don't now. I feel like my decisions have dislocated me from walking with Jesus. Or there's another group of people. Maybe you've come to church and you've never made this decision. Maybe your parents have made the decision, but you haven't. Maybe you're in here and you're like, actually, I've never heard the gospel like this. I didn't realize it was like that. But I feel in this moment, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me and he's telling me, He's, telling, he's, he's drawing me home right now. I want to pray for people who this morning says, I, tonight or this morning is the morning where I get my life right with Jesus. If that's you, I'm just going to pray. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I'm just going to ask you to shoot your hand up and shoot it back down real quickly. Just because I would love, it would be my greatest, my biggest honor to pray this prayer with you. If that's you on the count of three, would you shoot your hands up? One, I'm telling you, he loves you. Two, you might be in that place. I remember where I was uh, years ago and I knew that I knew that I knew but I was just so scared to put my hand up. I'm like, oh, but then I just, you know what? I said, God, you gave it all for me. I, I'm just, I'm putting my hand up. I'm choosing to follow you. If that's you and maybe you've got that battle in your heart right now maybe your heart's pumping or your, your head's trying to rationalize. Can I just say the Holy Spirit, this decision I made was the best choice I made. For the last 15 years, that has changed absolutely everything. If that's you in the counter three, would you shoot your hands up? One, two, three, all over this place. Thank you, God bless you. 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 I'm just gonna wait a few, thank you, God bless you. I'm just gonna wait just a few more moments. And I always wait a few more moments and here's why. Because I remember what it's like to be that, that young man, that young adult. And I said, no, nah, I'm not putting my hand up unless he just waits. And then I, and then I did. So maybe you've already put your hand up like the plenty who already have or you haven't yet, can I just ask you one more time? Just one more time. If that's you on the count of three, maybe you've already put it up or you haven't yet, would you do it for me just one more time so I can see and recognise? One, two, three, all over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, beautiful. Oh, thank you, church. Can we give it up for everyone who's just made the biggest and greatest decision of their life? I'm telling you right now, this choice... This is more important than who you marry. It's more important than where you live. This is more important than the young person than what you study or what career path you follow because they're all temporal. Yet this choice is eternal. We live with an eternal perspective right now that what we have on life is but a, glit, it's but a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Can, can I ask that we all pray this as a church family? If you put your hand up, pray it from your heart, but let's all support. Say, Jesus... Say, Jesus, this morning I give you my life. I give you my all. Lord, forgive me for all my mistakes, my shortcomings. I thank you that you accept me, that you love me. So I confess with my heart and I believe in my, confess with my mouth, sorry. And I believe in my heart that I am saved. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 One more time, give it up for all those people. Listen, I I kind of ran out of time there, but I, I gotta tell you, there, there's three things that people I've often preached this and they've said, oh, well, I've done a little study on this with our, our family crew. And they said, Well, what do we get desperate for? Well, Jesus, what cool, but what does that look like? If you're a new Christian, if you've been a Christian, uh, hundred years and anyone in between. When Jesus in, in the Bible, um, he's always teaching about that the word of God is living and it's alive and it's active. If you don't know where to start, just find yourself back in this at the start of a new year. I mean, to pe- those who just put this ha- uh, your hand up, just read the Bible every day. Watch, uh, Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. That's Romans 10:17. The more you find yourself in it, it'll start to jump out. It's not just a book. It starts to read you and change you. What other book does that? It, it, it's just, it's insane. A 66 book love letter. The second thing, the second thing, um, whenever like theologians all agree, and I remember reading this and cross-referencing another one, that when, when Jesus is with people, I would have loved to be in the room after the Pharisees were all judging Jesus and Zacchaeus, but Zacchaeus went over for dinner. He paid everyone back. And in that moment, all I wanted to know, I'm just naturally curious. I'm like, what dinner conversation did they have? Like Jesus is like, Zacchaeus, honestly, what's your net worth? Like I'm kind (laughs) of interested. Uh, Like what what did they talk about? Probably not because Jesus is not really caught up with any of that stuff. But I just wanted to know what are they talking about? So I start to dig. I'm trying to find out. And all people agree. Well, people are a lot smarter than me anyway they all said when when the conversation isn't recorded what is the most powerful thing is that is people being in the presence of god often if it's important and needed to be said then it was recorded and put in the gospels for reference and for writing but this particular theologian he goes but when jesus was just with people and often not reported what was most miraculous was just being in the presence of god That relates to me because on my way to work, I can put on the CD, oh CD, what am I like? I can put on something on my phone because I'm a younger generation. Um, (laughs) Wow, but yeah, CDs still work. I still have tapes of Alan Brown, old school preacher. Anyhow, um, and get in the presence of God, not just the word of God, get the presence of God, get desperate for his word. Get desperate for his presence. In Exodus 33, Moses said, I'm not going to go anywhere without first having your presence. Why why go to work when you could go to work with the presence of God? A whole different authority. Why go to school when you could go to school and university with the presence of God? A whole different attitude, a whole different perspective. And the last thing is this. we got to get desperate for the Spirit of God. I mean, it's great. I mean, pastors, Christians, people, we don't do the saving. We just live a life in obedience to Him. That's why we call Him Lord. I mean, best friend is great. Saviour is also very true. But Lord means we live in obedience to Him. We don't do the saving. We don't bring the convincing argument. We just live in obedience to Jesus. And it's the spirit that brings revival. It's the spirit that convicts. It's a Spirit that does all the hard work. we just got to live a life for Jesus. So let's take all of that responsibility that we've been putting on our shoulders. Oh, we got to convince this person of this. Oh, we've got to live like this. No, no. Just be in obedience to God. And yet every day, like me, you will stuff up. But we come back to God because you know He loves you. And you just got to say, God, I'm desperate for your Spirit because I need your Word, I need your presence, and I need your Spirit. Is that okay, church? Beautiful. Well, I'm going to throw back right now to... The band, I appreciate you guys so much, Mikey and the team, Colby over to you.